Warning! The Dub Talk Podcast may contain language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Also, there is a spoiler warning in place for the entirety of the show, Space Patrol Luluco. So please be aware of this going forward, if you do not wish to get spoiled. And finally, views and opinions expressed tonight are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the Dub Talk Podcast as a whole. Now with that out of the way, it's time to begin with the fight! For justice, judgment gun morphing. Hello, fellow Space Patrol cadets. Are you ready to dish out some justice? I'm not talking some discount light novel manga angst kids version of justice, no siree. No, I'm talking full-on hardcore justice. Galactic justice. Over justice. Fight for justice. Today we begin the second part of Grimgar Patrol's special investigation as we take a look at Hiroyuki Imaishi's fifth anniversary project for Studio Trigger, the zany galactic adventure about first love and fighting for justice, Space Patrol Luluko. Joining me today are my fellow cadets ready to step into the line of duty. Cadet Jet. Gajanagon, moving! Cadet Roots of Justice. Sir, yes, sir! And Cadet Megan. Don't lose your justice! I'm sorry I ruined fucking everything. Oh my god, no. You you were doing exactly what I wanted, and I'm proud. Hello, everybody. Uh, we're doing this again. Uh, as you may have saw earlier this week, uh, we covered... You're so uh, nonchalant about that, too. Hey, guys, welcome back. We're all back on our bullshit tonight. We're back <laughs> on our bullshit, but this time it's a different kind of bullshit. Uh, last time you heard us earlier this week talk about a show called Taboo Tattoo. A show we all wish we could laser remove from our memories. Basically, <laughs> technically speaking, it should have been the last of our two-part series, but to be honest, we wanted to end on a high note, and it's physically impossible for any of us to end on a high note when it comes to Taboo Tattoo. So... I mean, unless you're into Princess Von Bad Touch. Unless you're into (laughs) Princess Von Bad Touch. Will we mention her? Who knows? Anyways, tonight we are talking about the English anime dub for Space Patrol Luluko. Space Patrol Luluko is about a normal 13-year-old high school girl named Luluko, trying to live a normal life as normally as she can in the most normal way, except for the fact that she lives in an alien uh, port city called Ogikugo... Ogi... Ah! Ogikubo. For some reason, words left me. Anyways, at some point, her dad eats a... A frozen capsule, and she becomes part of the Space Patrol, and falls in love with her hot-as-hell cadet friend slash childhood first love, Alpha Omega Inova. All sorts of shenanigans uh, come into play. You might have to save the universe, as well as visit a couple of crossover series. Now... 
To begin with, uh, since this is the second part of a two-part series we're doing, you might be able to figure the similarity from what we released earlier this week. And that similarity is the ADR director... Lesbians! <laughs> it's lesbians. <laughs> Not this time. Not this time, though this director Damn has it. worked on lesbians in the past. And that director... Whoa! Phrasing, <laughs> <laughs> Lana. Lana. Phrasing. God fucking damn it. I'm gonna be honest, I think... Hang on, let me check something. Do, 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 do. Andrew, you beautiful bastard. <sighs> Don't lose your way. I will not lose my way. And you know who hasn't lost their way? ADR director Christopher Bevins and ADR writer Bonnie Clinkenbeard. What have these people worked on in the past? Uh, you might know Christopher Bevins for such works as Aka 13 Territory Inspection Department, Danganronpa the Animation, The Devil is a Part-Timer, Michiko and Hotchin, and Princess Jellyfish. Bonnie Clinkenbeard has also worked on Bevins with such shows as The Heroic Legend of Arslan, Jormungan, Last Exile, Fam the Silverwing, and Unbreakable Machine Doll. So, uh, to keep with the consistency of last time, let's keep the order from last time as well. Roots, the ball is in your court. Okay, so... Scripts were obviously deviating from the Japanese. And for a comedy dub, that is actually, in my opinion, a very good thing. Because, you know, jokes in Japanese don't necessarily work in English when you uh, translate them directly. So you kind of have to put your own spin on the matter. Sometimes, you know, puns and other onomatopoeia-related jokes, they have to get pushed to the wayside. So you just have to go balls-to-the-wall gag. And I'm happy to say that this was a show that I was more or less busting my ribs laughing the entire time because of how well it was written. And Bevan's direction, he knew what he wanted out of his actors, and he got it. Not to mention there are also some very clever casting decisions that we'll be getting into here momentarily, so I will pass it on to Megan. Yeah, no, I love this. Uh, this is probably my second favorite trigger dub that exists um i i would i would i if the show itself was a full-length show i probably could say more but for a seven episodes where it's only seven minutes long everything moves very fast very quick um it's like a mile a minute you can blink and miss a lot of jokes i think that bonnie and chris did an amazing uh work as a writing and um directing tandem uh I don't think the cast is 100% out there in terms of being creative, like you could say um, Arsland kind of is, or um, Taboo Tattoo at times, which, yeah, that is something about Taboo Tattoo is that sometimes it's a little bit weird and wild in, in their casting choice. And Chris Bevan's dubs have not super adventurous, like a Sunny Straight dub, but not like as safe as you would think it is, and I think this hit like a really good balance. Um, I think that Chris also picked, um, a really good choice for who he gets to play, because as you know, Chris Bevins is in all of his own dubs. I do really have to agree, though, with Roots about the Japanese jokes and onomatopoeia stuff. There is one that I will question a little bit in the directing choice. 
But that kind of isn't something that not only Bevins does, but I think collectively a whole group of people like to do. Um, and we can get, when we get to that character, we will. But otherwise, I loved every second of it. This dub was fucking hilarious. Um, and when we talk about a certain character and the end of a certain episode, um, I will talk about probably why this is probably one of my favorite casting choices for, uh, this actor outside of the one thing he's really, really known for. Okay, uh, Jet? I think I know the thing Megan probably referred to with respect to that probably, and then actually the carrier with the Daphne version, but we'll get to that later. Uh, anyway, um, as for me, uh, I have no real problem with the writing. Uh, Bonnie Clicking Beard generally does a good job on our scripts, and she did another great job here. Uh, a lot of jokes really quick, and I got a few laughs out of it. As I, as uh, direction, I was a uh, direction. I was a little more troubled on in the beginning because uh, I, fr- I actually tried watching the dub like a while ago, way back when, and I was like, I, I was a little bit off put because my expectation was I kind of wanted it to sound like really over the top and wacky, and the uh, first couple of episodes I watched back then seemed kind of a little bit too straightforward to me. Uh, but. Uh, uh, okay, but when I went back and rewatched it for this, like, I got further along, and got, like, progressively more and more insane as, like, the show shenanigans got more and more insane, and I got a lot of laughs out of it in the end, so, like, all in all, I was pretty happy with it. Another good job for Batman, even if I wasn't, like, too sold on it initially. Yeah, no, uh, I was a big fan of the show back in the day. Uh, I watched it weekly. And watching the show weekly is basically just like, do I got five minutes to kill? Okay, yes I do. And watching this again was like, wow, this show moves really fast. It moves really fast. That It's like three different, it's like four different shows all in like one show. four different shows. It, technically, it's four different seasons. Because they categorize this as seasons. This so technically, we watched four. Four seasons for an episode, the most we've ever watched. (laughs) (laughs) True. This was like 90 minutes long, just like a Disney movie. Um, But no. uh, Back when Disney made like trippy shit. Yeah, speaking of trippy shit, uh, Space Patrol Lulico. I was not sure what to expect in English because I was really a big fan of the Japanese dub and cast, so it had big expectations. And in some regards, like it, I kind of knew it could never live up to that level of absurdity and like hamminess in regards to repetition and consecutive like mile a minute noises. But in some regards, it did manage to actually do really well with that. There's a lot of characters that sound really out there like they're having a lot of fun they're going really fast and this is a show that moves really fast so to make all these jokes work in the speed that they're going is impressive while not feeling overwhelmingly like absurdist fast and the script makes like there's notable changes there but none of the changes are like too big a deal and it is a comedy show more or less and it works for a lot of those uh, changes in the script. Most of the actual script things, I'm going to say for when I get to a lot of different characters, that being said, there's some really, really funny lines I can't wait to talk about when we go more in-depth 
to some of these characters. But all in all, Christopher Evans did a really good job with casting and a lot of these characters. Like some, I think I wanted to go a little hammier since this is a crazy show. That being said, it's a solid cast on around. Nobody in this cast, I would say, is a bad performance whatsoever. And, oh, totally. and it is very enjoyable. It's a lot of fun. And it is totally worth your time. Good job, Bevins and Bonnie. So, a quick thing I mentioned earlier is that Space Patrol Lulico is simultaneously its own story, but simultaneously like an ode to uh, Trigger, Gainax, and Hiroyuki Imaishi. And in our first group of characters, we are getting to just that. We're actually starting with a really, really obscure set of characters because later in the show, like the third half, or I guess the third season technically, is literally we are in space and we are in crossover planets of past works and stuff. And the last one they go to is Planet X. Hold on. Okay, hang on. S V Z. S V M. Z, Planet SVMC, and there they find sex, violence, and mock speed. Before we go into uh, who plays these characters and what we thought of them, let me go into explaining what the fuck sex, violence, and mock speed is. Because even for Trigger and Imaishi, this one's pretty obscure. Sex, violence, and mock speed is the 14th short made for the Japan Animator Expo, which is a series of online net animations spearheaded by Hideaki Anno's Studio Kara and Dwango, consisting of various original projects, side projects, music videos, and more. Such notable works from the Japan Animator Expo include the likes of the original Dragon Dentist short, the internet sensation Me 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 and its sequel series Girl, and Endless Night. A music video directed by Sayo Yamamoto that would serve as the prototype for Yuri on Ice. You just got schooled, Bizmatch. Yes, Sex Violence and Mock Speed in particular is directed by Imaishi, and it was a short. It stars the likes of a shark detective named Mock Speed, his sex doll named Sex, and his monkey Hetchman Violence. It is seven minutes long. It is fucking crazy and. It's slightly censored for television, but characters literally die by, I think, sex literally hopping on their dicks and then coming themselves to death. That is straight up what happens in the... Yeah, by the way, for all of you watching this who happen to be on a bit of the younger scale and haven't heard of things like uh, what Andrew's describing, or me, 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 do not go look them up. I mean, there is... There is a disclaimer for a reason, Megan. They know what they signed up for. Now, um, playing these characters in English for the very first time, uh, we have uh, Carly Mosier playing sex, uh, Chris Rager playing violence, and Greg Aries playing mock speed. Carly Mosier, you've heard in such things as... Uh, Toko Fukawa from Danganronpa 3 Future Arc, Mitoriko from Selector Spread We Cross, Alice Bernstein from Unbreakable Machine Doll, We Dine Uptown from Heavy Object, and of course, our favorite, Princess Von Bad Touch, 
Ari Abata from Taboo Tattoo. Chris Rager, you'll have heard in such performances as the great Gozu from Danganronpa 3 Future Arc, Mono, M- Monokina, Monokina from Jormungan, Kenji Takano from Beck Mongolian Chop Squad, Pine from Akka 13 Territory Inspection Department, and since this character technically was in some other Bevan stuff, Hercule, a.k.a. Mr. Satan from Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball GT. And Mock Speed is played by Greg Aries. Greg Aries, you've heard as Minamoto no Yoshisune from Drifters, Doug from Gangsta, Gareki from Carnival, Lutz from Jormungan, and Yukio Yoki Tanaka from Beck Mongolian Shop Squad. So, what did we think of these characters? Roots. Like, there's not a lot I can say about sex or violence, because I really don't get a lot of lines. I mean, the sex giving uh, Luluko the pep talk about love was pretty funny, and all all violence really does is just kind of grunt and yell out, <clears throat> you know, yell out ultra-violent attack names and all that. So, the, uh, the main... I guess, really, I'm going to be talking about Greg Ayers here, because, all right, who let him into the monster? Oh I was going to say, if this is the world of ultra-sex and violence, I was going to say, who let Greg Ayers into the cocaine? <laughs> like, this is... This is almost like if you took his Monokuma performance and hit the fast-forward button. Fuck, you're right. He is everywhere on the screen at once, and I... This was one of the characters that I was just busting out laughing the entire episode he was in. And, unfortunately, I'm not very familiar with the uh, Sex, Violence, and Mock Speed short. It's seven minutes long, you can watch it, and it's pretty quick. Yeah, I didn't catch it while it was legally streaming Mm. in the U.S., so maybe someday that'll end up on Blu-ray. But all three of them I really liked, but Greg Ayers was definitely the standout Mm -hmm. here. Just by sheer virtue of presence. Mm-hmm. And I will pass it on to Matt. Uh, yeah, no. Um, I can't really, again, I also can't really say much about sex and violence. Uh, because they really don't talk a lot. And especially violence only really grunts and screams. So good job, Chris Rager. Um, you were awesome. I did kind of like Carly, the little bit of Carly Mosier that did get to talk. I couldn't figure out who it was at first until I watched the credits. I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. That's, that's Carly Mosier. Uh, but yeah, Greg was, like, the highlight of this, just a mile of- Greg is going a mile a minute was pretty fucking funny. Um, it wasn't the funniest thing in the show to me. I just also thought it was really funny with the character design that they gave him this voice. That- cause he sounded like a loan shark that was trying to get you money and he's just going- Uh, but no, I really liked all the performances here and, um, it was kind of really cool to see them be in Lulico in, like, some way, shape, and form because, like- as somebody who hadn't watched the show in the Japanese before, like, I had always been getting around to watching it, and I just never did. Um, also, B, it was the best short anime that came out this, that year. Fuck you, fight me. Um, I was really impressed, and it's just kind of weird to see, like, oh, hey, like, all of these people are now in a trigger show, because trigger shows usually go to Autoplex and, like, Canada, so I liked it a lot. Go, mm-hmm. go, Jet. 
That's okay, so uh, before I even start, I just want to say you're wrong, Megan, because I'm pretty sure Kyle Coach on It's, it's, okay, we can fight about that fucking later. I know she's got weaponized <laughs> thickness for the forces of good. <laughs> that she does. <laughs> fun fact, both of those... Fun fact, Got both of those animation. shows aired on the Ultra Super Anime Time programming block, which consisted of a bunch of anime shorts that came out in, like, 2015 and 2016. Yeah. Okay, um, so, like they were saying, I don't really have much to say on Sex and Marlins, who were just kind of there. Uh, Carly Bozier was, like, the more notable of the two, just because she, like, had actual lines. And, I mean, I, th- and, like, I thought her giving... Advice of Luluko was really nice, you know, even though she was like a decapitated head at the time, but still. Uh, okay, uh, but yeah, Greg Aries was like, definitely to say that here. I mean, it's been a while since I got to hear him do something really wacky. Uh, and then he sounded like he was having a lot of fun with it. Like, there was, like, uh, Megan and Roots were saying he was going a mile a minute with every line. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it, it was definitely pretty entertaining. And, uh, that's. I, and for a while, I mean, I wouldn't say I couldn't recognize it was him, like, uh, Greg Aries' voice is very distinct, and so, uh, but, uh, but he was able to do enough comedic range with it that it sounded pretty distinct, so that Alrighty, was nice. so, uh, Sex, Violence, and Mock Speed, uh, Chris Rager does a really good job, uh, he, he sounds really cool, he screams and grunts really good, and his character takes it up the ass, uh, Sex sounds very cute and interesting, but also kind of sincere and gives some decent advice for Luluko, and her character also takes it up the ass. Um, and Mock Speed, holy shit, Greg Aries, god damn it, this character is super freaking crazy, hyper, hyper energetic madness that I was just entertained every time he was talking and literally bouncing off the wall. As far as I know, this character does not take it in the ass, but there could be some hidden universe stuff we don't know about it yet. Anyways, this was a very interesting Easter egg that I'm surprised that got in the show, and I can't believe that technically got dubbed, so that amused me. But yeah, uh, I enjoyed uh, Chris, Craig, I enjoyed Chris, Greg, and Carly. Now, time for a little more trigger history. Friends, as we get ready to discuss two iconic characters in the Trigger mythos that appeared in their own episodes of Space Patrol Lulico. That would be Susie Monbonvara, the ever fan favorite uh, witch from Little Witch Academia, and the man, the myth, the legend himself, Inferno Cop. Little history on both of their series. Um, Susie is from Little Witch Academia. Little Witch Academia was a short originally created for the Young Animators Training Project Anime Mirai in 2013. It also came out the same year as the Death Billiards short, the prequel prototype to the Anime Death Parade in the same yearly Anime Mirai bracket. The popular short was then kickstarted a year or so later for a sequel movie, The Enchanted Parade. It was then greenlit for a television anime series that premiered in January 2017 and was licensed by Netflix. The TV series was announced immediately after the finale of Space Patrol Luluko, where Luluko high-fives Akko at the very end. And yes, they did keep that in the home video release. They did keep that in, I wasn't sure. 
Now, Inferno Cop. Inferno Cop is an original net anime created by Trigger. Honestly, that's all I'm gonna fucking tell you, because this shit needs to be seen to be believed. God fucking damn it. It's streaming on Crunchyroll, my dudes. Just... Just, just fucking watch it for yourself. Question, isn't there a version of uh, Inferno Cop called, like, Inferno Give Cop goes to New second. Jersey? Give me a second. There's several versions where Inferno Cop goes to New Jersey. Apparently, in the lore, New Jersey is his home. He's from New Jersey. There are several shorts that they play at Anime Next regularly where they are trigger are really big fans of the convention anime next they play several shorts exclusively for the con one of them straight up ends with him chanting new jersey and the entire room just goes in a giant chant screaming new jersey new jersey and jed and i were also fortunate enough to see some of these special episodes including and i'm being dead fucking serious when i say this Inferno Cop doing battle with Donald fucking Trump. This is real. Where Inferno Cops wins by singing My Country yep. is of Thee. God it's, bless Trigger. It's fucking, fucking great. <laughs> Holy shit, like... Go watch Inferno Cop. It is mad. And here comes a bunch of comments saying how dare we be political. Guys, we're normally not... But follow us on Twitter and you'll find out where we stand. It's not even political. It's just, he has a fucking baguette for hair in the shorts. Like, what do you want? (laughs) Yeah. That's what it is. Anyways, uh, now that we've gone through our history lesson, it's time to talk about who plays these characters in English. Uh, One of these characters, interestingly enough, does have another voice in English. Uh, Susie Monbonveron, uh, in the anime on Netflix and the two dub shorts, she is voiced by Rochelle Heger. But in the Funimation dub of Space Patrol Lulico, she is voiced by Anastasia Munoz, who has played such characters as Kelly from Aka 13 Territory Inspection Department, Monami, aka Usami from Danganronpa 3 Future Arc, Mine from Carnival, Konami Yurikawa from Yurikuma Arashi, and... Her name is Coco. She said oh, no. Loco. I said, oh no. Coco Hekmatiar from Jormungan. Uh, Infer- is that what you're supposed to say when you talk about the character? I've never actually seen Jormungan. Literally, they're like, literally, it plays at the end of every episode. It's literally oh, the so- that's what the song Her is. name is Coco. Coco. She I is said, Loco. oh no. <laughs> it's so what? good. The fuck? Anime was a mistake? (laughs) Oh boy, you haven't even seen Inferno Cop yet. Who in this show is voiced by Christopher R. Sabat. Christopher R. Sabat you'll have heard in some um, characters as Albert End from Devil is a Part-Timer, Toyotomi Hideyoshi from Sengoku Basura, Robert Kappa from Nobunagan, Gaston Brown from Gangster, Zero, a.k.a. Judas from Heaven's Lost Prophecy, and because it's very similar to this, I'm going to mention that he is the voice of Fujikido Kenji, a.k.a. Ninja Slayer, from Ninja Slayer from Animation. Yart! Yep. Yart! Technically, not a Bevan show, but it is a trigger show, so it counts. All right, Roots... What'd you think? So I have some interesting words to say about the two of these. Um, let's start off with Susie, who 
I gotta say, Anastasia Munoz was a really close ringer to the uh, the voice actress who played her in the Netflix series. Like, there's there's reasons that Bevins wasn't able to bring her back. Understandable. I'm just. Can Andrew just explain it just really quick so that we can just kind of clear the air? Yeah. It's it's super duper quick. The reason why he wasn't able to get her back it was because of budgetary reasons. Like, literally, the budget in the show, it would have gone to a little increasing the budgets for what they were working on that they wouldn't have allowed it. That being said, he did still reach out to the actress and tried making it work. So it's not like there was any ill will or he didn't try. He tried. And I believe he also said that he also didn't want to put her out of her own money because she wouldn't have made enough money to cover the expense of having to fly it. Exactly. And to be... Yeah, because it was only a handful Here's the thing. of lines. I, it's like it would have been extra money for the show and it would have been extra money on her part for a role that is, I think, basically two minutes. Yeah. Like, two minutes. It's unfortunate, but that being said, it's what it is. There's no ill will on the parts of either party. This is not a Danganronpa the animation scenario, yeah. let's put it that way. Now, I, on the other hand, I'm not sure I'm 100% okay with the idea that Anastasia Munoz more or less voice matched her. I'd have rather seen her try to take her own take on the character. But as for what it was and for how quick the the character showed up and left the show, it's not something I'm going to particularly complain about. Normally I would agree with you, but it's a cameo. So, so for me, per- so for me personally, I'm like, voice matching makes sense in this case. She literally <laughs> showed up to give another girl her giant mushroom. Now, the, on the other hand, uh, Chris Sabat as Inferno Cop, considering he also played Ninja Slayer and Ninja Slayer, I'm really kind of glad he put a different take onto Inferno Cop. Like it, he sort of played it. It kind of sounded a little similar to me to. Uh, Colonel Sanders, but not quite as... I don't know what the word I would Hammy. use here is. It, yeah. It was it was a little more down-to-earth version of uh, Colonel Sanders, which I really appreciated. Because um, Ninja Slayer is one of my favorite shows that Funimation simul-dubbed, like, two years ago. So, like, Chris Sabat's Ninja Slayer has a place in my heart. And I'm really glad it was... <clears throat> that Inferno Cop was played differently because in the off chance Funimation at some point ends up picking up the Inferno Cop shorts and dubs them. Fucking do it! Which would be awesome. I would be a little peeved if Chris Sabat basically played Inferno Cop as Ninja Slayer. And I'm really glad that's not the case. So I will pass it on to Megan. Now, as somebody who... Uh doesn't like Susie as much as other people. If you've watched the Little Witch episode, you know I don't like the character that much. I wasn't super chill. I wasn't, like, super stoked to see Susie from there because I had a lot of memories of the anime in my head. Uh, that being said, I think Anastasia Munoz does do a good job of voice matching uh, Rachel. I feel like if this series had been dubbed before Little Witch had come out, I don't think that they would have made her voice match. Um, that being said, I kind of do prefer the consistency. At least you try to disguise it to people who don't really watch the credits and don't know any better. Um, 
Obviously, Little Witch is a huge series that is very important to a lot of people. And Susie's voice uh, may be something that people attach to. I don't know how a little kid would ever get a, ta- uh, um, a hold of Luluco. Luluco is, for the most part, inoffensive. Um, I'm not saying it's, like, super squeaky clean like Little Witch kind of is. Like, I could show my five, my six-year-old niece Little Witch and she'd be fine. Uh, and I feel like if Anastasia had tried to do her own take and I was sitting and watching Lulico with my six-year-old niece, having Susie sound different from what Susie sounds like in the, uh, show would be kind of jarring for her. Uh, that being said, she does good for, like, the two, uh, the two to four minutes you really do kind of see Susie on screen for the Little Witch Planet. But let's talk about Inferno Cop, the savior of love. Um, I loved Chris Sabat's Inferno Cop. I <laughs> like that it was kind of, uh, mellower than Colonel Sanders, but also doesn't sound like any, does, doesn't really sound like, uh, I haven't, what I've heard from the Ninja Slayer trailers, um, I'd also like to shout out Bonnie Clinkenbeard for giving uh, Inferno Cop probably one of the best lines in the history of anime, uh, which I will now repeat uh, because I believe it is in our group chat, and I, I've kind of altered it. I can tell you the line. No, right I want to read it because it's my favorite one. Okay. Fight me. Um, it's I've I've remixed this onto my Twitter profile, and you can this is how you can tell I've watched Luluco before coming out. Don't call me sir. I'm only 21. I'm dead, not old. Um, God bless. I about fucking lost it when I heard that. <laughs> because it was just so fucking funny. It's just like, fucking Inferno Cop giving the pep talk of the motherfucking century to a heartbroken 13-year-old girl. Um, the true hero we all deserve. The true hero that we don't deserve also, is fucking Inferno Cop. if you want to. Like, you could just come and go if you please. That's just a thing. I mean, I do that at least, like, two times a year. I mean, I literally fly out of Florida. That is hell on earth. I mean, for God's sakes, there was a story in the news today about a man doing a gender reveal party by drawing- by throwing a watermelon- that had been filled with jello to the baby's gender, letting the alligator smash it in his mouth, and then having to wrestle it to keep his fucking family safe. I don't believe any of this. It is fucking true. It is fucking true. I will you send- need to link this to me. You know what? Give me. No, piece. you know what? I'm calling it right now because it was in my other my friend Emmy Doug and I's group chat and i just watched a gender reveal video on facebook where a guy puts a watermelon of blue jello in a white alligator's mouth then after the quote-unquote reveal the man has to wrestle the alligator to stop it from attacking his family i'm gonna be honest this sounds like an episode of inferno cop inferno cop goes to florida could you imagine if they did inferno cop goes to florida also, I just sent it to you. Like, fuck this shit. I want to go back to Jersey. <laughs> fuck this shit. I'm going back to Jersey. <laughs> also, to uh, to quote one of my favorite videos that's not about New Jersey, um, Boston was founded by two drunk dudes who were like, "Where are we? I don't know. New Jersey." And that's how Boston was formed. Sounds about right. Anyways, uh, please any other, go any watch. Please go watch. Sabbath? Uh, no, he was great. It was fantastic. I love Sabbath and comedies. You should also watch uh, Funhouse's video on Boston or something called A Wicked Good AMV. Go ahead, Jet! Okay, uh, so like I was saying before, I thought Anna Sotomayor did a really good job of, like, uh, voice passing for Susie. As, I, mean, as, I mean, yeah, it is kind of unfortunate that it had to cut that voice matching, but 
Okay, I mean, but in this case, like, it needs supposed to be a cameo, so having a voice out different would be kind of weird. It'd be the appropriate call there at the time of five for, like, the couple of minutes he was there. It was a uh, solid performance. Uh, but, of course, the real set out here is Chris Savin as a Inferno Cop. Uh, like you guys are saying, it wasn't super heavy, and that actually kind of surprised me a little bit because I was expecting it to be, like, really heavy. Uh, but, uh, but it definitely worked him being, like, kind of chill and down to earth when it's, like, a night change of pace. And it really kind of matched the mood of the scene since he was, you know, supposed to be kind of, like, talking over Rico and uh, giving her advice. So, that's uh, so him sounded, like, a little bit more, like, down to earth made sense in that case. And, it's, uh, and it was a... So, and I'm glad it sounded, like, pretty distinct from subtle Chris Savage other things that it wasn't, like, full on Ninja Slayer. And Inferno Cops cameo in the show in general was pretty nice. I mean, like, I haven't actually seen Inferno Cop, but uh, this gave me, like, a pretty good idea. <coughs> that was like, Jet, uh, you're going what? to go fix that after this is done. Yes, 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 I know. Okay, it made me very curious to watch Inferno Cop. Oh, wait, no. Technically, I have seen Inferno Cop. I didn't <laughs> the panel that you... Okay, I think I, I actively remember the day you went to go see that panel because you ran into Sarah in line and had her call me at work. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, that was the same day. <laughs> Hi, Sarah! Anyways, um... So, yeah. As for... In what I think, uh... Like, we're, we're saying it's unfortunate if voice matching was a thing. We're not talking about the fact that it's fucking impressive how, like solid voice matching is voice matching is a very underrated skill oh god yeah it is it is, it is a very underrated skill so I mean, like for god's say sakes, what you will um... anastasia munoz does a fucking fantastic stellar job like matching and like making it sound like that is what i expect from Susie in english so good on you there what are you gonna say i was gonna say yeah i know like it's like everyone's like oh it's unfortunate that um they had to voice match, and I'm, like, sitting there, all of us are, like, really fucking huge My Hero fans, and none of us have given shit, and none of us complained about Chris Waycamp replacing Alex Organ. Um, and he's- No, there's a couple, there's, there's a couple true. of them. Like, Which, uh, by the way, God, I can't wait to see if Funimation dubs Re who's gonna fucking do it, because you can't put Chris Waycamp as Alex's character this time. Yeah, 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 okay. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, what the fuck was I going to say? Oh, right! Inferno Cop! <laughs> Inferno Cop. Uh, this is a pretty saboteur galactic hand that I am very much enjoying a slice of. It very much gives me a very All Might vibe with a much more subdued, like, older voice in a sense, but it's very- Now I'm just imagining a fucking All Might giving dating advice in hell. Yo, Nico! You need to punch love in the face! Detroit Smash! That was awful. That was awful, and I should die and be punished. Don't worry. Just It's basically just a ten-minute timeout in hell, and then you're back on your feet. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that being said, uh, Christopher Sabat does a really good job as Inferno Cop, and I think the reason he sounds less hammy and less like ninja slayer here is because i think it's actually a different voice actor who plays inferno cop in luluko than who normally plays him in japanese which is much more loud brash and more reminiscent to what you expect from ninja slayer so i think it would be a little more like th his ninja slayer voice if they were to dub inferno cop but that being said i'm just happy i could say that 
Inferno Cop has an English voice, and it's Christopher motherfucking Sabbat. I very much enjoyed his time in the show, and I very much enjoyed uh, Susie's little cameo as well. I think both of the both Anastasia and Christopher Sabbat did a very good job. Now, let's talk about the people that raised our normal girl the way she was. Uh, this is, we're talking about Luluko's parents, Keiji, who is a space patrol officer who finds himself frozen throughout the entirety of the series and eventually becomes a talking brain. And I was frozen today! Who was frozen today. <laughs> and Lalico Godspeed. Luluko's uh, evil pirate empress mother, who um, is, in my official headcanon, what if Ryuko Matoi turned evil? She is literally, literally wearing a cape made out of life yep. fibers. And you will spend the entire show wondering how these two got married. Like, seriously. <laughs> dude, this, dude, the sex must have been amazing. <laughs> Their bodies were not dry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sorry. I'm not even sorry. I'm not even sorry. Chipotle's just okay. Hey, Andrew. Andrew. Hey, Andrew. What? Don't lose your way! In the night we what? gotta fight as one. Don't be afraid. God damn it. I um, guess that's what he sang to her during sex to keep her comfortable. <laughs> God, just the kill kill score. Dude, could you imagine if, like, you were doing your significant other, and right as you climax, you got a Hiroyuki Sawano drop? Ping pong circulate, ping pong circulate, <laughs> ping pong. Anyways, let's let's go ahead. That's gonna be that's the episode. Good night, children. Anyways, let's let's drop the pretenses and talk about who voices uh the strange parents of the year. KG is voiced by Brett Weaver. And Lalico Godspeed is voiced by Monica Rial. Uh, Brett Weaver, you'll have heard in such shows and characters as Akira Nakata from Witchblade, Siusai from Samurai 7, and since Christopher Bevins is technically one of like 12 or 20 ADR directors for the One Piece dub, he is the voice of Mr. One, aka Daz Bones from One Piece. And and Monica Rial, you've heard as such characters as Bluesy Fruzy, aka Izzy from Taboo Tattoo, Micah Micah Mihi from Harmony, White Novel Titles, Daedalus from Heaven's Lost Prophecy, Henry Henriette Bilu from Unbreakable Machine Doll, and there's a reason I didn't mention this last time, Michiko. Melandro from Michiko and Hotchin. Roots, take us off. Okay, so KG doesn't... I mean, he gets a lot of screen time by technicality, but he doesn't really speak a lot because he's, 
he's been frozen today. But I really like that he's sort of the, the gruff, loving dad when he does. And the, uh, like, when they stick his head slice in the robot. They also like, microwave it first. And they microwave it first. Like, I, I got a really good chuckle out of that. So I, I really like Brett Weaver as KG and, my God, Monica Rial. Every time she gets to use her big girl Monica voice, it, it's just magical. I, I really... I really like when she gets to play tough, badass characters. And she also gets a lot... I don't remember any in particular, but she gets a lot of funny, funny lines I'll, in a few I'll, of the episodes she's in. I'll bring up a couple of those when I get to her, but yeah, Excellent. she has, she has a good, some good ones. But, Brett, Monica, you did a really good job here. Sounded like you guys had a blast. I'm passing it on to Megan. So, um, I had a really good time with uh, Brett Weaver and Monica as... Uh, Lalico and Kenji. Uh, for some reason, the dad reminded me of, like, like, fucking Looker and Dick Gumshoe fucked and had a child. Holy <laughs> shit. Holy shit, you're fucking right. <laughs> Please direct all of your Looker x Dick Gumshoe fanfiction to Spaceman Hardy. <laughs> 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 the raunchier, the better. <laughs> Just make sure that dick is on bottom. Um, oh, come on. We all know Looker's the top in that pairing. You're not wrong. <laughs> dick probably wouldn't know where to aim his own dick if you think about so, it. So, we could go on about fanfiction all day, but please. Yeah, but we don't want to be here for too long. Uh, no, Brett Weaver was great. As somebody who is not super familiar with Brett Weaver stuff, um, I think the only other thing I know he's in that I haven't seen is Ushio and Tora. Um, That's right. So, uh, I thought he was great as the dad. I thought he had a great dad voice. Um, yep. Especially when he's, like, yelling about how Luluko is not old enough to be, like, fucking in love. And it's like, no, my little girl! You're so normal! It's like, I love the doting dad voice. Because it kind of reminded me, like, not a, like, he had the spirit of, like, bad dad jokes like my dad does. Um... Like, they're okay, there's a part where him and Overjustice make, like, a fucking dad pun. Um. They are literally making dad jokes as they are shot from a giant revolver that is just outside their apartment. That he's been hiding the whole time. Um, and then, uh, Lalico was great, too. I love when Monica gets to use her big girl voice. Um, she was fan-fucking-tastic as a space pirate life fiber lady. Um, I also just like when she's like, Hell yeah, my daughter's gonna get fucking laid. Um, I'm gonna strap her to my ship so she can get on that dick. And she... <laughs> fucking doing the die buster yeah. pose all the way to get some Get ready for that dick! Woo! Um, anyway, I, would, I thought they were both great and I'm gonna pass it on. By the way, yes, the uh, can't wait for that dick line comes from a very, very dirty Voltron comic and it's fucking the best. <sighs> y you know, I'm, I'm not upset... <laughs> uh... I'm just disappointed. Yeah, I did that. Kind of sums up my thoughts there. <clears throat> okay, uh, so anyway, on to this. Um, so, Brett Weaver as Katie was very interesting because uh, I did not know it was Brett Weaver while I was watching the show. I didn't read the credits and see who it was for some weird reason. Now, so I spent like the entire show, you know, wondering who that was, and then I hear it's Brett Weaver. It's like, oh, I recognize it now. Uh, I, like, he has a very distinct gruff voice, and, like, having listen to him in 39 episodes of Bucho and Dora, like, 
I like I can tell he could do like really great comedy because he was really funny as Tora. And uh he was really funny here, like he got a lot of great lines. Uh he did a good job of being like gruff and also being like kind of the overbearing dad and I thought that was a pretty good combination. Uh but of course the standout here is Monica Riel as Lolico. Uh, again, it is really nice whenever Monica Rio gets to use her big girl voice because that doesn't really happen often enough. And uh, while it's not like Michiko levels of gruff, it's like definitely very tough. It's, it's like definitely very tough and cool. And, um, and Lalako herself is a pretty fun character. I appreciate that between the two of them, she's like the very liberal parent, which I thought was kind of funny. Like, the cop is the sirloin and the pirate is kind of like, whatever, just let her do what she wants. <laughs> So I, I thought that was a pretty fun dynamic. It's basically like, what if somebody from the world government like had sex with like a pirate from One Piece? That's basically the. You know that there's fan fiction of that. Oh no, there is. There is absolutely, absolutely fan fiction. If I d- dig hard enough, but I'm going to not. Uh, I really liked uh, Brett Weaver's uh, Kenji. It, like you said, it was very much gruff, doting daddy, but it was very interesting to see the the amount of absurdity and energy he gives his character while also just being a brain in just a bunch of gel literally microwaved it's hilarious how that works but he ends up being very enjoyable and has a lot of personality for just being a brain in a jar for most of the show but yeah no i really liked brett's uh voice is very distinct but it was very interesting to hear him in this now let's talk about evil big girl mama monica mamiko i mean lalico seriously say mama monica Ma- mama Mama Monaco, <laughs> Mama Monica, Monica, Mama Monica, Ma, uh, Mama, Mama Monica Lolico, Mama Monica Lolico, Mama Monica Lolico, Mama Monica. Ah. I couldn't do it this time, guys. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're proving my point. Like I said, it's a much older voice, but it's very much like absurdist evil kind of crazy deep but also total badass she really does remind me a lot of michiko melandro actually like in her tone of voice and the level of badass parenting to like an older kid and she actually is kind of like being sweet to her at the very end where it's like i'm gonna help you like confess to the guy you love and like the conflicts between her and keiji near the end it was very interesting but also kind of sweet like she was really fun as a character, and like I said, she does have a lot of really funny lines in this dub. Um, here's what here's a couple of mine. Um, when Over Justice transforms into his true form, uh, she says the line, "Aw, that's adorable." Since you've shown me yours, I'll whip out mine. I got to witness hearing Monica Rial say that, which was a very entertaining line in of itself. And also the phrase in the penultimate episode when she shows up after to break them out of prison, I fly all the way out for your funeral and you ain't even dead. I mean, honestly, that's going to be me at my own funeral. I'm just going to fucking come back to life. Uh... You ain't truly lived life unless you've come back from death once, is a <laughs> quote from Mama Lalico. And it's just, you really hear a lot of energy and intrigue, and I always like this tone of voice for Monica Rial performances, and getting to hear her play this deliciously, like, evil, crazy, like, sexy alternate version of Ryuko Matoi was a lot of fun, 
And I've... Like, it's... What if Ryuko became Ragyo, except what if Ryo, she was still actually an, a caring parent? It's Ragyo and caring in one sentence? What is that bullshit? Good point. Good point. She is not Ragyo. She actually gives a shit about her kid. And, like, she's not even evil, either. Like, more... More chaotic, good, or neutral. Though she did try to sell an entire city on eBay, and I'm actually kind of fucking- I'm kind of actually fucking impressed. Hey, she- she- she's an entrepreneur. She's trying to get bank. She's a good role model for young girls! You two can dress like a hooker and steal cities and sell them on the space internet. <laughs> Fuck yeah, feminism, bitches! Fuck the patriarchy! Sell the patriarchy on eBay! Yeah, get that- Get that illicit <laughs> eBay money. Sell the patriarchy on eBay is a quote that I'm going to keep dearly in my heart. I don't when think I we- die, put this on Andrew's tombstone. Um, I don't think there's anything else we could say. Brett and Monica did it. Also, there's one thing I can't say about Monica. Can somebody please, like, <laughs> editor person, can you please put the picture of Monica drinking a drink and hitting Ian Sinclair in the dick with the sword? Because that's about the best explanation of Lalico's character. That is an actual image. Ian's just sitting there. She's just got a sword up between his legs and just sipping on a sip sip. The crazy part is I'm not even that surprised by that. <sighs> Anyways, uh, Monica and Brett, good job. Time to move on to two key members of the Space Patrol branch in Okikubo. That is uh, the Chief over Justice and Midori, who is a former antagonist slash uh, crime lord who is essentially just volunteers and is like, oh, hey, you're on the crew now. Cool. And yeah, and over Justice is basically very much a reference to Inferno Cop in the way he is animated, the way he moves, and the way he looks, and it's eventually confirmed that him and Inferno Justice, Inferno Justice, Inferno Justice must be his full name. <laughs> Inferno Justice, make go fuck yourself. Uh, him and Inferno Cop are in fact brothers. Yep, I just refer to him as this guy Inferno Cop. Oh, that's mean. <laughs> that's mean. Uh, it's you know what? He's trying his best. He's trying his best, and he is pretty goddamn cool at spreading justice. <laughs> Anyways, uh, playing these two characters, uh, playing the role of Overjustice is Bob Carter. Bob Carter, you've heard in such performances as B Two Twilight from Gangsta, Davi Nativa from Michiko and Hachin. Oda from Witchblade, Sin Shenron from Dragon Ball GT, and Bojack from Dragon Ball Z, Bojack Unbound, both of which Christopher Bevins was ADR director for. Midori is played by Jamie Markey, who has played such characters as Lisa Lovelock from Taboo Tattoo, Misune Amaha, a.k.a. Witchblade from Witchblade, Hex from Jormungan, Mikako Satsuki Tane from Heaven's Lost Prophecy, and Five from Terror in Residence. Roots? Yeah, um, I really liked, uh, <clears throat> I like Chief Over Justice. He, like, I like the fact that he was played sort of, it sort of had the lower register, but you got to get kind of a, like, I, I like it when people with lower voice registers get to play funny characters. 
because <clears throat> it, it's it's this nice little contrast from what you're expecting and what you end up getting. And uh, as for Jamie Markey as uh, as Midori, like I kind of expected sort of the the Valley Girl inflection put into it, but it's a nice touch. She gets some like uh, like Lolico and Inferno Cop and Mock Speed. She she gets a lot of the good choice lines in the show, especially when her character's introduced as sort of the school mob boss who brokers this illicit app, and she plays uh she plays Luluco like a fiddle. I I I really like Jamie Markey in this role, so I I will pass it on to Megan. Uh, let's start with Bob Carter as uh, Overjustice. I thought Overjustice was going to be a little bit more hammy based on his appearance. Um, and I feel like Bob really grew into the role as it went on. Um, f- especially for a show where you don't get a full 20 minutes to really, like, go... You don't get, like, a three-hour time frame to, like, potentially grow into your character. You only get, like, an hour and a half at that. Um, but I thought he really nailed it when you got to the latter half of the show. Um, when he's, like, when they, uh, they finally get to, uh, Space Patrol headquarters, and he's like, Ooh, promotion! That's probably, like, my favorite moment in the show, is when he gets the promotion. Uh, but Jamie Markey as Midori was probably one of, uh, the best performances in the show. I know a lot of people, um, some people have a problem online that Midori having a Valley Girl accent to kind of combat what in Japan is, I believe, like, the... Nani type character. She she she's played by a very specific voice actor that Gynex and Trigger really like using in a lot of shows. She's the voice of What's the actor's um, name? Ah, oh, this is gonna bug me. She's the voice of Nonon Jakuzare, she's the voice of Haruko Haruhara, uh she's a lot of different characters. Hang on, let me look this up. I can do it for you. Uh, I think, give me a second, I think she's also the voice of Susie, now that I think about it. Uh, Mayumi Shintani. Yeah, so I know a lot of people don't like when they translate that all the time as just being a valley girl, but honestly, the thing that really made it, besides being a valley girl, was that Jamie's character got to curse a lot. Like, what the shit? Like, God, what the shit? And, like, all that stuff. Like, just letting Jamie Markey be her, like, kind of let loose in the booth for this very strange little alien girl. Um, I also be like when she convinces Overjustice to let her join Space Patrol. So like, I've repented and that's what totally counts, right? So- I think I tried replicating what she said. I think it was like, so maybe now that I'm an upstanding citizen or whatever, you can let me do all the arresting stuff and join Space Patrol and all that crap. Yeah, like that's basically how I would want that to be played. So, I, I really liked it. I know some people online have a problem with it, but I think that's kind of what the character called for a little bit in the spirit of the character. And she got it down. Also, B, I liked how she was really fucking thirsty for her alpha. I honestly, I'm pretty sure, like, let's be honest, were you? He's like 13, so no. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I would want him as my, my son. He can join my sons because... I don't want to give it away, but I'll talk about it when we get there. But Alpha Omega is in my son category. If you don't know, I have a husbands and son category. Husbands are, like, people who are over 18. Like, Makoto from Free. Or, like, Kaneki. Son tier is, like, I don't know, like, Alpha. And, like, all of the Shota Swords from Token Ran. So, basically, 
not legal, he is your precious child. Legal, hell yeah, I'ma get me some of that. Depending on who it is, yes. Noted. Anyways, uh, uh, Jet. Okay, um, so I very much enjoyed Bob Carter's over Jetsus. Like, I'm not super familiar with his work, but I liked how deep his voice was. I thought it was a good match for the character. And uh, he got a lot of really funny one-liners. And I uh, and I appreciate that his performance wasn't like super heavy, and he, like and he got at a job and just goofy enough to work. And uh, as far as uh, Jimmy Markey goes, I really enjoyed their performance. As I, as, I mean, I get the like whole ballad girl thing could be a little bit off-putting, but like you guys were saying before, uh, the character in Japanese had a very kind of like Gyaru-ish accent, um, so it kind of made sense to go with that. And, uh, at this point, I think Jamie Marchi has made, like, something of his own career forcing Gyarus anyway, so she's a good match for that. And, uh, yeah, she got a lot of really great one-liners, so I can't complain. Um, yeah, okay, starting up with, uh, Bob Carter. Over Justice, I, this one took a little bit of growing on me, since it was a very distinct, like, gruff Japanese-sounding man, very much like Inferno Cop was. But he, like I said, he really does grow into the character and start getting much more like absurd, having a lot more fun with it, getting kind of goofy, but also being kind of badass cool when he wants to be. Uh, he's like stern, authoritative, and all that, which is great. I think it, like I said, I only wish it maybe went a, a notch or two further. But that being said, I do think he does grow into this character. I think he gets all the beats of what this character is trying to do when he's trying to be comedic serious action crazy man but also kind of goofy and strange which i think he does like he gets all the character beats i just like i had seen it in japanese so i think i wanted to go a little further that being said i think bob carter still does a fantastic job as over justice and now it's time to talk about midori you shit <clears throat> i'm sorry uh, a little thing came out of my voice you shit <clears throat> Sorry, uh, there seems to be a strange, strange thing in my voice that seems to want to shout, You shit! every time I hear Midori talk now, which is fun. I wasn't sure what to expect. I think this is, like, a lot of what I expect with, uh, Jamie going hardcore, like, valley voice, but I think for the kind of absurd character that Midori is, it actually worked a lot better for me than I was expecting. It's a hardcore valley gangster turned cop. And honestly, this was hilarious. Like, it's it's a very specific voice and voice actress. Like, it's really hard to match in English. The only one I think that's even come close was probably Sarah Ann Williams. But that being said, Jamie puts her own spin on this character, and it's goddamn hilarious. I love all these strange lines. The the voice she gives Midori actually gives her a lot of fresh life. And she just says a lot of quips like, you shit, or ow my spleen, or just, like, making her own dumb comments. Her own dumb comments about all the shit going on in the story. is like, what the fuck is that thing, basically? And it's it's so funny. Like, I wasn't expecting to like- Who the fuck is that? I wasn't expecting to like this one as much as I did, but I was pretty impressed by what Jamie's spin she gave on Meadery. I was very entertained. And for a show that is kind of like this absurdist comedy in English already, I think that's what this needed. And good on you, Jamie. I was very impressed. You shit! You shit! 
<laughs> but yeah. God, my hawk plushie is so dirty now. He's been stuck under my computer desk. Uh, you were covered in dirt and dust, pig. So what you're saying is your kitty is stuck in a black hole from which there is no escape. When the fuck is my cat been named Hawk? I have an actual plucky, plushie of Hawk the pig from Seven Deadly Sins that I won in Texas. He has very noodly little nub legs. It's kind of amazing. I put him on my desk just now. <sighs> piggy trap, piggy trap, piggy trap. I almost had the segue, Megan. I almost had the oh. segue. Well, piggy trot your ass into that back hole. You su- you sucked it out like the black hole, like the black holeian in Space Patrol Lulico, who was originally posing as the chief of police for the space patrols, was then revealed to be a black holeian in disguise. And so there's a certain there's a certain person who has not shown up in this show yet. Who is directing this show? He has not shown up yet. Chris Bevins. It's Bevins. It's Chris Bevins. He had to be in his show somewhere. And Christopher Bevins is the voice of the final antagonist slash boss, the Black Holian. Now, uh, Christopher Bevins, you've heard him in such roles as Grigori Rasputin from Drifters, Amatasora from Aquarian Evol, Cruel from Unbreakable Machine Doll, Tom Shredfield from Taboo Tattoo, and Akihiko Tojo from Jormungand. So... Sadness that you did not mention Kanone fucking Hilbert. Let's be... Okay, let's be fucking real. It's... I... He's done a lot. I could pick and choose. I know, I'm just fucking I had to pick and choose, okay? Roots. I really like it when Christopher Bevins plays villains. Just gonna put that out there right now. I don't think... During his career at Funimation, I don't think he did it enough. Because when he gets the opportunity to, he just plays the most smarmy, scheming, underhanded bastards. And uh, I really like, I really, really like Black Holian. I I can't name off any particular one-liners he gets, because he really doesn't get a lot. But it's just... He gets that tone of voice where he's supposed to be sort of the benevolent voice of reason for the first episode you encounter him, and then, oh, whoops, he's a villain. Oh, there goes your heart. <laughs> oh, there goes your heart. Oh, Just, now you're dead. Oh, we betrayed you the whole time. Whoopsie. Yeah, no, uh, that's... Stop a, making more of these fucking hearts! Like, it, it's funny that Megan brought up uh, Shinya, because I, I imagine Black Holian is like, that cat who is right next to your coffee mug, slowly nudging it to the edge of the table, looking you in the eye as it is about to knock over your favorite, your favorite coffee mug with the pug on it, with in the slippers and nightgown, just like yeah, I'm gonna fucking. This break sounds it. like a very personal <laughs> story you're a telling very us. Specific <laughs> mug. Megan. Your opinions, please. I loved Black Holian, and I loved Bevins as Black Holian, and I couldn't believe it was him for about a good minute. I was like, oh, that's who that is. I like this. Uh, I completely agree. I wish Chris Bevins played more smarmy asshole bastards like this. Like, I, the only, like, I feel bad because, like, again, one of my favorite shows is Spiral, and he plays a smarmy asshole villain in that show. A smarmy asshole villain with a southern accent. Um, it is if nice. it is well worth trying to find Canone clips. Um, 
I I loved every second of it. Also, when he taunts Luluko about what Nova is, and when he's getting his ass beat by love, and he's getting dragged into the black hole, and he's just like, "No, I was supposed to win. I was me." And he's just like losing it, and then Nova's like, "Oh, you're gonna come with me, Kay." Like I I loved every second of Bevins' as Black Holy and how smarmy and fucking jerkish he was. Uh, so I'm gonna pass it on to Jack because I don't want to take away from anything he's gonna say. Okay, um, so uh, actually, like Ben was saying, for a while I had a little trouble talking with Chris Bevins. Like for some reason, I forgot he had it showed up. For like so, for a quick second, I thought it was like Ian Sinclair and Josh Burrow, and then I read the credits. Like, oh yeah, that's what Bevins was. Okay, uh, but anyway, uh, he did a really great job. I haven't really ever gotten to hear him do Golden Rolls much, so this was a nice change of pace. And uh, while I, well, for some reason I was meant to get it sound like a little bit hammier, uh, he did a really great job of making it sound kind of smarmy and like and very snarky, and it was a lot of fun. I especially appreciate how much he taught at Luluco, and uh, you, you can definitely tell how much buddy was having a bit of boom with that. So, uh... Good audio, Chris Bevins. Great stuff. I got a very Shakespearean vibe from this kind of villainous character, where it's just very much like... It was like Shakespearean, but also kind of like a Saturday morning cartoon villain at the same time, being so over the top where it's like, oh, oh, oh I'm stealing all of these things. We stole all these good things, but then we got bored of stealing the good things, so we decided, let's steal shitty things, and let's break them, because it's fun, and I like fucking with people. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah, it reminds me. Of, it reminds me of something I heard about. Uh, something I heard while this was simulcast and it made sense. We collected all this valuable stuff, and then we thought, you know, what if the worthless stuff is what's really important? It's like, yeah, that's a very Maiji thing. And honestly, that's kind of like the moral in the end, because they're basically kind of like the whole thing about like your first love is essentially like something seemingly simple stupid and unimportant but it also could kind of be like something that is powerful amazing and like all at once life-changing to you as well so that's kind of what they go with at the end and it's kind of a really it's a really cool finale yeah. by the fucking way she really knows how to make his finales fucking cool and yeah no bevins like God damn it, I knew he had to be somewhere, but holy shit, I'm so glad he got this delightfully, deliciously hammy character, and I was very, very entertained by it. But, now it's time to get a little more fabulous, if you will, a little more dreamy. Let's talk, let's talk about uh, the, the item of affection for our leading lady, and that is... The pretty dream boy, Alpha Omega Nova. <sighs> he is very pretty, let's he be real. He is very here. fucking pretty. Anyways, so, who would be tasked with the role of playing a character like Alpha Omega Nova? Someone who looks like another character that he played. Okay, let's see, blonde boy, kind of stoic, I wonder who... Let's talk... It's obviously Vic Mignogna. Uh, <laughs> no. Oh, wait. What am I kidding? This is a Bevan show. It's obviously Rachel Robinson. We haven't talked about her, but we haven't talked about the... We're not going to talk about the suit or anything. The voice of the suit and the... Like, the voice of the suit is simultaneously a mix of Rachel Robinson and Mike McFarlane screaming, Fight for justice! 
And I also like Oh, wait, wait, wait. This is a Bevan show. Oh, duh, it's Jeremy Inman. What am I kidding? My All right. Justin Briner is... <laughs> yeah, we don't fucking know it. Come on, Alpha Omega looks like fucking Mika. You're not wrong. Anyways, uh, Justin... Br- <laughs> Justin Briner, you'll know as uh, such characters as Nasu Sukitaka Yoichi from Drifters, Seigi Justice Akatsuka from Taboo Tattoo, Ryota Mitarai from Danganronpa 3, Elam from Heroic Legend of Arslan, Dust Storm Dance, and Maggie from Aka 13 Territory Inspection Department. I know there was a theme here, but I actually generally afraid to go through that without mentioning Deku Oh, yeah, like, be- because. Yeah, no, of course it's fucking Deku. It's I do, I know he's Deku. I'm keeping my theme consistent. Don't taunt the man. It's so close and yet so far he can taste the season three simul dub. Taste it. Oh, it's so close. It'll be out by the time this epic. Are you feel almost feeling it, Mr. Krabs? Oh, you bet your ass I'm feeling it. <laughs> Andrew. I was, I'm not gonna make that joke. I'm not gonna do it. Nope, not today, Satan. Roots, before we go into some unsavory territory, please continue. Please start the conversation. Sure. Um, ju- it's not even Thursday, and we're doing jokes at Andrew's expense. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, Alpha, played by Justin Briner. I actually found the the character kind of interesting because. Like, in one of the first episodes after the city gets taken to be sold on eBay, they go to, like, the kill-a-kill world. Ah, yes! And, well, Alpha is himself not the bad guy, he ha- uh, Justin Briner has to play a character that basically takes his appearance and appears before Luluko. So he gets to play this character as a good version and a bad version, and... He does a really good job with the both Technically, of them. he plays two bad versions when you think about it. True. But no, I get the point you're making. Also, can we talk about the fact that in their own show, they basically bring to light... They literally bring to light a plot hole in Kill a Kill in their own trigger anniversary show that, hey, why didn't we just use fire on the fucking evil clothes? <laughs> like, I will talk about it when Roots is done, but I want to talk about that fucking ending so bad. Godspeed to you, Imaishi, you crazy son of a bitch, for bringing up a plot hole in your own show from another show. That's good sportsmanship. Please continue, Roots. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're you're fine. But um, in addition to that one episode where he he plays sort of an evil version of himself, and then, you know, at the end of the show where he also gets to play... It's not really an evil version of himself either at the end of the show. It's just kind of an emotionless version. Kind of a like a robot. He did a really good job as sort of the emotionless alpha... But, you know, from episode one to the point where he's sort of revealed as the lackey of the bad guy, he, he's sort of this calm, aloof... He does almost kind of doting toward Luluko, even though he's actually technically trying to steal her heart. I, I really like this performance, and I will pass it on to Megan, because I'm, like, rambling. <laughs> Okay, no. First of all, before I go into the actual performance, I want to talk about something I enjoy about Justin Reiner's acting in general. And why episode 7 almost 
fucking sent me to the hospital again. Um, I love the sound of Justin Briner dying. I don't care if it's grunts, screams, like, stupid shitty booth noises that you're supposed to make. The sounds of Justin Briner's comedic dying noises are something that will always put a smile on my face, as weird as that sounds. It is just something I really enjoy. I feel like I just got kink-shamed by Jet, and I don't know if I should kink-shame uh, you. No, no, that wasn't me. Andrew, did you just kink-shame me? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're happy right <laughs> Well, 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 how the tables have turned. I was actually having connection issues. What the fuck just happened? <laughs> I thought you kink-shamed me. Anyway, back to my point. Oh, uh, no, I totally fucking did, but please continue. <laughs> Damn you, you little shit! <laughs> It's okay, Megan. I won't kink shame you. It's because you're nice to me. Roots is afraid to kink shame me because I'm about to spend like three days locked in a small box with him. Alright. Him, Steve's, Amon, and Ichi will be. Uh, we are collectively Fort Lobster, and they will come to Love Token Ronbu. Um, anyway, so let me go with this. The end of episode 7 is one of the funniest fucking things in the world to me. Because it is essentially. If you've never seen Kill a Kill and you don't know My Body is Dry, which essentially became a fucking meme when that show came out uh, in the Japanese, if you could just imagine Justin Briner monologuing over the sound of Justin Briner dying as My Body is Dry is playing, you will essentially get the last two minutes of episode seven of, of uh, Space Patrol. It's so funny. And it's fucking hilarious. Um... That being said, I love this performance. Um, I kind of joked on Discord earlier today, as of the day of this recording, that Justin Briner comes in two default settings, Deku and Michaela. And this is very much more on his Mika-Magi end. And while Mika and Magi obviously have more overt emotion, I actually super like his take of Alpha, because Alpha is essentially a character who is supposedly devoid of all emotion. He is a being made of nothing. He's a nothingling, I think nothing they call like, him, yes. right? Yeah, he's a nothingling. Nothinglings don't have emotions. And I appreciate not only Chris's direction on this character, but also Justin's take on the performance, especially in episode 11, where all of a sudden, now Nova has feelings. And you can tell there's an immediate switch in his personality, and it's very overt. Um, I also be like when he drags Black Holian into another dimension when he has to be separated from Luluko and that almost shattered my heart itself. I almost ended up needing to see Inferno Cop last night. Um, but I loved every second of Alpha and I enjoy getting to hear Justin Briner do this. I know a lot of people don't as much like hearing Justin Briner be a lot more soft-spoken and serious characters, but I like the take on this and I like that we had, um, especially comparing Justice to Alpha, where Justice at times was also trying to hold back well, his emotions and not really be super technically emotional. Technically Nova. It's like Alpha, Omega, Nova. I think it's just, it's just Nova. 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 Um, and you can also, I also find it really funny that he is both Justice and Nova. And how, and this is just a testament to how well Lulico is written. Nova has a more cohesive character arc in an hour and a half than Justin Briner's Justice uh, and Taboo Tattoo had in three hours. Mm. You're right. <laughs> yeah, you are not wrong. Okay, uh, so I guess it's my cue. Um, 
That's it. Uh, so yeah, I was uh, very happy with Justin Bright here. I kind of have to disagree with disagree with what Rude said a little bit, where he thought, um, okay, where he thought Justin was kind of like nice and helpful in the beginning, and then he like went evil toward the end. That's, uh, that's uh, the way I thought. Like for the early episodes, he was very much like robotic and whatnot because the character actually is supposed to be robotic and have like no emotion. So I mean, like so for the first few episodes, most of Justin's dialogue was like very deadpan, very stoic, like. Uh, not like he was, like, snarking to everything Luluko was talking to him about, but he was just very deadpan, very cold in all of his responses. Okay, and then, of course, you get through episode 7 where you get, like, Evil Nova, and he gets to be, like, really crazy. And, oh god, that was fucking yeah, he hilarious. he really, really crazy and heavy for a few minutes, and that was pretty fun, because you don't really get to see Justin Bryder be crazy and heavy that much. Well, you know, outside of whatever death in the screens, but that's a whole other thing. You know what I've actually been told if I could interject? Apparently his character in Black Clover is fucking great. Like, his performance as, uh, is it Luck? Yeah, it, it's Luck. Yeah. Sociopathic Justin Briner, apparently, I've been told is amazing, and I am half tempted to fucking sit through Black Clover it, to hear I, it. it. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's not. Not worth it. Local man, local man yells at Black Clover. <laughs> mm. Okay, uh, okay, okay. So continuing, I appreciate having the performance of very slowly and deadpan for the first episodes. And then, like Megan was saying, when you get to episode eleven, and he does like finally attain emotions, there's like an immediate shift. He sounds much more emotive. He sounds much more Deku-ish. Well, weirdly enough, but that definitely works. It's a lot more heroic and nice, and it's, it's and um. It was cute. Like I kind of like I liked the dynamic between him and Luluko. It was weird, and it was like kind of cute, and and like and I felt kind of bad he had to sacrifice himself at the end. But as, but I mean, it's triggers slash it's triggers, so you can't have a trigger show without some kind of guy next. I think and that's usually how that goes. So he had to go. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, I very much enjoyed Nova and Justin Briner's take was very good. Uh, I thought Justin Briner as Nova was fantastic. Like, the natural progression of his voice throughout the series is very apparent. He sounds very distant, robotic, and alien, but he is very much like a pretty boy heartthrob for Luluko, and he very much comes across as that. He's very sincere, sweet, and all that, as well as getting to hear some of the lines of dialogue when he's in action are hilarious with his deadpan voice. It's just, I'm gonna shoot her now. It's like, you can't just shoot her. Well, my way is easier. And then, my other personal favorite, I've been captured. What a bother. Yeah. Like, I love those bits of deadpan dryness as well. It was just kind of amusing to me. But man, when he goes motherfucking Ragio Nova is something else. The level of absurdity craziness and when he's just on fire and screaming. It's some of the funniest, like, background noise I've ever heard. Oh, God! <laughs> he just keeps screaming, and it's amazing, and they're playing Don't Lose Your Way. They're playing My Body is Dry the whole time, and it's, oh, it's so good. But, no, the, the natural progression of his character arc is when he himself, like, the, the thing about his character is he's never really evil. He he doesn't... Here's the thing. He never lies to her. 
That's the thing about it is like he's never dishonest with her. He never lies about like what he thinks or what he feels. He's cold and distant, but he's never dishonest, and that's something that Luluko kind of takes advantage, like kind of takes comfort in in the fact that like there is still something that could happen between them. And he himself gets the universal hot heartthrob moment where you hear Justin screaming again, and then he becomes much more infatuated and into the scene and starts fighting alongside her and then sacrifices himself. It's the fucking cutest shit. That's the cutest shit I've ever seen. It's actually really cute. Like, I actually genuinely like the dynamic and relationship between the two, especially in the final moments. It's very tragic, but it's like she could go find him in another universe someday, somewhere, see you, Space Cowboy. Though, but I- Stop! Don't you fucking bring that up! Don't you fucking bring off fucking the end of episode 24! Okay, no. Uh, it's not see you, Space Cowboy, it's see you, Trigger Girl. See you, Trigger! (laughs) See you, next Trigger! That's basically. Oh my god, now I'm just imagining, like, him, like, falling into the void set to call me, call me, and I'm fucking dying inside. I hate you right now. <laughs> I close my. For anybody who needs to ask, yes, episode 24 of Cowboy Bebop is my favorite. Go fuck yourselves, fight me. Megan just finished Cowboy Bebop recently. The wounds are still fresh. I listen to that song on a daily basis. It's a good song. But yeah, no. It's a fucking good song. Justin Briner, I think he's got a natural, like, arc as this character that has no emotions, who gains emotions, but also is kind of crazy in the middle. I think he's fucking fantastic. But now it's time to talk about the most normal high school girl who's ever been normal, our little precious... Our... Our little precious cutie patootie that is Luluko. Middle school girl. She's middle school. Luluko is... She is our leading lady who becomes a part of Space Patrol after her dad gets in some shit, joins some random shenanigans to save the universe, falls in love, essentially destroys a black hole, and then becomes Trigger. Literally, she becomes the mascot for Trigger. Which brings me to another what is lesson i got one more in store ladies and gentlemen and this one is for the trigger girls because at the end quite literally the trigger girls are the mascot characters for studio trigger they consist of muzzle a girl with long blue hair infrared goggles and an m16 spring a broad a blonde lolly with twin tails a gas mask and knives and trigger herself the character who is revealed to be the final form of Luluko in the last episode of the series. Which is literally the design for the character Trigger of the Trigger Girls. Which I thought was a really neat touch in the transformation. Like, that's why he calls her See You Trigger. Because that's, like, her nickname in the end, and she literally becomes that character. Which I thought was neat. Yes, this was a secret origin of Guy Dax all along. It was a secret <laughs> origin all along, but that... I really like Luluko as a character, so I was really curious who they were going to get to play Luluko. And the person they got yes. to play Luluko is none other than Miss Brittany Karbowski. Brittany Karbowski, you've heard as such characters as Pira Luke from Selector Infected We Cross, Chocolate from Yormengan, Lulu Lima from Michiko and Hachin, Otomo Sorin from Sengoku Basura, and Ikaros or Ikaros from Heaven's Lost Prophecy. So, Roots, start us off. Alright, so usually I have... I don't want to say I have problems, but 
like a little bit of suspension of disbelief with dubs, particularly involving middle school or high school age girls. Because, you know, you have to get an adult actor, yada yada. But there is one thing that kind of, it kind of helped with it a bit. Like, it, it's a little thing that you may not notice at first until I bring it up. It's the little squeaks when she screams. Oh, they're so good. Mm-hmm. Like, those little squeaks when she has to when she has to yell or scream or... Like, that, that helps sell the illusion that she is, like, a younger character <clears throat> in the beginning of the show. And... It's, it's really nice seeing Brittany Karpowski play sort of... I guess you could call her the straight man of the show, because she's really the person who has to react to everything going on. She is not in and of herself funny. It is the situations around her and how she reacts that is funny. Right. And, like, her desperate attempts to be a normal girl in this alien... in this like alien immigration zone in Japan and everything around her just goes crazy and she doesn't like it and then eventually towards the end of the show she accepts it and becomes Trigger and tries to find Alpha it, her character arc has a really good progression and I really like how Brittany Karpowski portrays that throughout the show especially considering these are 8 minute episodes and yet there is a good 24 minutes of progression in each episode. These are short episodes, but they don't feel short. So it's really hard to... It feels like it would be really hard to get attached to the... <clears throat> for actors to get an understanding of their character, get in the booth, get what they need to get done, done, and then be able to get back in later and do it again. Because, <clears throat> number one, you don't have... You really don't have an, a lot of content to work with. And it moves by quickly. So I, I'm really... Not just Brittany, but all of the actors in Space Patrol Luluko. I'm really impressed with how quickly they were able to grow into their roles. And put in some really stellar performances. I know that's more of a final thoughts kind of thing. But I, I felt like I need to get that out there. Megan? I really, really enjoyed Brittany Karbowski as Luko. At first, I did feel like it was a bit too old. But then again, I was like, oh, I've been on the Tagaki-san episode, and that was another show where everybody sounded a little bit too old um, to be a middle schooler convincingly. But then again, uh, in Japan, how sure, or how sure are we accurate to that they sound like middle schoolers? Uh, but what really sold me was Brittany Karbowski's comedic, time, comedic time and just genuine um, energy. As Lulico. She made Lulico come to life for me. For as wacky and zany of the situations that she's in, everything that she put into Lulico as a character was genuine and pure to me. And that's not something that's easy to do. Um, I am... This, again, it's not my favorite trigger lead girl performance. There's, like, one person who will always have my heart for that. But she comes damn close to that feeling and she made me smile the whole time I was watching it. And she made me feel bad for her when she lost her heart and just chef's kiss to you, Brittany. Mm-hmm. Jet? Okay, so yeah, I mean, I really like 
Brittany Garbaski's voice, and I think she's always been really great at voicing young girls, so I was, uh, I certainly had no doubt she would do a good job here, and she, she done good. I said, um, and it's, uh, she did a really great job of, like, handling Luke Girl's character arc from going from, you know, like, I want to be normal to, like, gradually, you know, you know, kind of gradually accepting that life could be a little bit wacky, that, you know, like, as she was told by the Wisdom of Inferno Cop, you can't let other people define what's normal, normal, something you have to define for yourself. Uh, so I like how that character arc went, I thought that was pretty good. And I, that's like, and I just really appreciated her take on the character, how she... Uh, how she handled all the, like, different reactions, how she handled being a straight man. And I really got a lot of laughs out of some of her lines, because it isn't being a straight man, she can be a little snarky, too, and I thought that was a nice touch. It made the character feel a lot more real, and, uh, yeah, ultimately, I was a uh, very happy with the performance. I can't really think of anything to complain about. Like, I mean, like Megan was saying, it's not, like, my favorite trigger lead girl performance, but it is definitely a very close second or third or whatever. Uh, either way, Brittany Karbaski, really great job, really impressive. I was very happy with it. Luko as Brittany Karbowski. This is Brittany Karbowski just making consecutive noises for 90 minutes. And it's hilarious. Like, there's so many different things. It's screaming, squealing, flipping the fuck out while simultaneously also being love-struck, screaming her heart out, and also just being snarky, kind of annoyed and fed up with shit. Like, some of the deliveries of some of her lines when she's just like, screw it, or are you kidding me with this right now? And literally every variation she says of to be continued, which is sometimes, every time she says to be continued, it's amusing to me. It's like, to be continued, to be continued, to be continued, I say to be continued! And it's like, to never be continued, because I died. And it's so, so funny it's just so many of the reactions like the timing she brings the energy she brings to this character everything she brings is just so fucking funny and amazing and genuine and i believe every single emotion she brings to Lulico, and i was very very impressed by all of it like i think she she's a great actress but she really brings out a lot of variety and different like trades and sides of a vocal performance and character in Luluco in only 90 minutes of a show and this is I'd almost be saying this is probably one of Brittany Karbowski's best comedic roles period like that's she's got a lot of really funny roles I think this is probably one of her funniest straight up it's it is a treat like and I really like Luluko's character. I like her arc. I like how she starts out and then kind of gradually becomes more infatuated, more interested in trying to save the world. And then when she wants something, she goes out and kicks ass and saves the universe when she wants something. And it's really cool. It's really great. She's a really interesting character. I enjoyed her a lot. I was very entertained. Brittany Karpowski, fantastic job. All around, you made this character. Well done. Hat to you. Okay, so, and with that out of the way, I think it's time we move to final thoughts for Space Patrol Lulico. Let's make it brief because there's a little other thing I want to do before the end of this. Okay. Roots? Yeah. You, you got some of your final thoughts out right. already, so you'll be quick. I mean, in summation, eight-minute episodes that feel half an hour long, 
actors not having a lot of time to get to know their characters, but they do really well and then grow on the <clears throat> grow on their parts. Yada yada. Uh, this was a very fun little bite-sized show that I could not recommend any higher than I am now. Like Dubber Sub, you can't go wrong with it. It's it's funny, it's bombastic, it it is just the most balls to the wall Imaishi project that you could imagine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, do give this a check out. Megan? Yeah, no, I I also really enjoy the show. This is a show like uh, Roots and Everywhere says you can't this is a show I highly recommend. Even if you don't like it, it's an hour and a half of your time. It's not a time sink like Taboo Tattoo is or like um Black Clover or Mon Musu is if you're me. Um, I love- if everyone's like, I wish I could be a fly on the wall for, like, a bad show comedy dub, like, oh man, I would love to be a fly on the wall during Taboo Tattoo or, um, like, My First Girlfriend is Gal. I actually wish I could be a fly on the wall for this series. I would have loved to see how long this took to record. And how these guy, how these actors and actresses got into character. Um, the writing is solid. Bevin's direction is solid. It is a great dub for- what it is is it it's not my favorite trigger dub of all time uh and it's not my favorite trigger show of all time uh surprise surprise i'm pretty sure i'm about to say a phrase that is going to stun a lot of people that my favorite kill my favorite uh trigger show is kill a kill okay um and and riko matoi is my favorite trigger character and she's my favorite performance in any trigger show um that being said i cannot uh recommend this more than we already have Please watch Space Patrol Lubico. All right, Chet. Um, so, yeah, pretty much the Echo Chamber here. This was a very fun time. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty short show, but it does feel surprisingly full for what it is. Like, okay, yeah, like, there's a very clear sense of progression. It does get to point A to point B. And, um, for, yeah, and for something that really, really matters, like, 90 minutes, it is a very fulfilling little scene. And um, I'm glad it has a really solid dub. As I mean, that I mean, direction did go a little bit long to get to. I mean, it took a couple of episodes to get to the level of wackiness I kind of was expecting. Uh, but it definitely got there, and I got a lot of laughs out of it, and I had a really great time with it. Uh, it's not quite my favorite trigger dub, but it is something I can very easily recommend, and I really hope everyone gets a chance to check it out. It's good. Alright, um, I'll say this. I feel like people associate me as a bit of a Trigger fan at this point. No. I, I believe this is something people have called me at some point. Interestingly enough, I'm not, like, that infatuated with, like, as many shows as, like, people would think. I actually, like, ha- wasn't too big on stuff like Keys Niver or even, like, Ninja Slayer. And that's a whole other discussion for another time. That being said... I really am a huge fan of, at the very least, Hiroyuki Imaishi as a director. I think there is not a single show of his that I don't love. Gurren Lagann, Kill a Kill, and Space Patrol Luluko. And honestly, Space Patrol Luluko is several different things. On its own, it is simultaneously like an anniversary love letter homage to several different Trigger Gainax properties, as well as Hiroyuki Imaishi. But it is also, like, its own coming-of-age story about, like, young love and, like, how that is something that is impressionable and makes you and how being 
how being abnormal is in itself like normal and okay and cool to be and it's also a bombastic like space journey and it's fucking fun and amazing this i'm so glad i got a chance to watch this dub for this discussion and for this two-part uh bevan's uh dub discussion as like this is one of his final two uh dubs at funimation but all in all i think the dub is fantastic there's a lot of really great performances and timing to make it work in this span was really impressive i think the dub's great i think the script's great i think so many of the performances and comedic timing is great the show still holds up and this dub really helps sell you on it now usually uh this is the part of the show where we go our separate ways and uh plug ourselves we're gonna do that in a moment i'm gonna do something very different I wanted to take a quick Get moment. tissues, bitches. I want to take a quick moment of time and give an ode to Christopher Bevins, the director, and all the work he's done for Funimation for nearly 16, 17 different years. Straight up, this is somebody who, even before I even realized what ADR directors and what went on behind the scenes, this is somebody who's been part of my childhood because I grew up with. Uh, Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball GT and all these movies and he was there working on those from the very beginning. He's done a lot of different dubs and different shows that I've watched and really enjoyed and taken a part of and I'm really a big fan of his work. He's done a lot of really good shows and this is somebody who seems clearly so very passionate and infatuated with the work he does and he's done so many great things for dubs and Funimation in general. That's like, I could list off all the accolades and things we've said, but straight up, I'm going to list literally all of the Christopher Bevins shows we've covered on Dub Talk, which includes Yurikuma Arashi, Danganronpa the Animation, The Heroic Legend of Arslan, Gangsta, Heavy Object, Heavy Object, by the way, was the very first episode of Dub Talk Podcast I was involved in because Hardy just invited me on to talk about it. I became a part of this show talking about a Christopher Bevan's dub. There's some context, as well as also shows like Terran Residence, Danganronpa the Animation again, Danganronpa 3 Despair and Future Arcs, Drifter, Akka 13 Territory Inspection Department, Carnival, Ping Pong the Animation, Harmony, and Taboo Tattoo. We've talked a lot about this guy and his work in the past, and it's like, he does really good things, and he's very passionate about what he does, and God damn it, sir. Thank you for all the years of hard work. This is... It's a pleasure covering your stuff. Hopefully we'll go back and cover some of them in the past. I'm sure there's a lot of classic episodes we could potentially cover. And honestly, man, thank you so much. You've done a great deal. And Godspeed to you. Enjoy your time in California. I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you very nah. much. I guess I guess we'll just go if we other all others us uh can i say something or no? yeah, go, oh, go ahead by all means i want to ask andrew because he's the host that's why i think he's done you can say something well we we got the floor open okay yeah spy like i said spire was the first box set i ever bought um bevins has again like andrew has been around for a majority of my life as at funimation um like anime is a big part of my life and what influenced a lot of my life choices um, I know for Roots and I, I think, except for Harmony, 
he and I have been on, uh, I believe, except for me, I've been on almost every, except for Harmony, I've been on almost every Bevins episode of this show. I, uh, the only one I wasn't in was Harmony. And the original- Heavy Object. Oh, and Heavy Object, my apologies. I've been on, like, not two. Um, but, like, dude, thank you, we know you're not dead. And a lot of people are probably thinking that we're, like, in memoriaming you. <laughs> we know you're not dead, Roots and I get to see your face. Like, I am yeah. so fucking excited for that, and if we can get a picture of, like, us at his panel, we will put it here, but, May like, we always remember- may we, may we always remember Christopher Bevins. He's not dead, we just like remembering him. Him? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, the dude has done so many influential dubs, and just worked on so many series that really, um, mean a lot to us. I think if I'm right, Jet, you were your first episode was also a Bevan show. Um, not quite. It was my second episode, actually. Oh yeah, right, because you were on Show by Rock. That's right. But like the first time I did an episode with you was on a Bevan show. Um, when we did Gangsta, and I got body pillow shamed, which is by the <laughs> way behind me right now because I sleep with it at night against my head, not my body. Um, you freaks. But. Dude, thank you so much. I cannot wait to hear what you get to do out in California, whether it be games or anime. Just, you are an inspiration to a lot of us. And, it just, God fucking speed. Yeah. Bang. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so, um, Dragon Ball GT was probably one of my first exposures to him. And Samurai 7, I, if I recall correctly, it was one of the first shows in my high school anime club that we were actually able to overrule the decision to show it subbed. <clears throat> so it, it was one of the first actually dubbed anime that our anime club got to watch. And then as I got older and I was involved with the D&D club and we'd, we'd hang out afterward and we'd... We'd watch anime or Fringe or whatever was passing our fancy at the time. And a certain show was brought to our attention, and we watched it, and we enjoyed it, and that was Speed Graffer. So, Bevins is involved with a lot of anime dubs that are as much a part of me as, as stuff like DBZ, Gundam Wing. Like, they, they hold solid memories in my heart. So, I I wish Bevan's well in California. Whatever he ends up doing there, be it games, anime, cartoons, commercials, I wish him nothing but the best. Okay, sorry, I guess it's me. Um, okay, um, so Chris Bevan has obviously been around for a long time, and he has been part of my childhood, but... Um... I actually didn't really know his name until a few years ago when I started paying more attention to, like, who directors were and whatnot. And, uh, to be honest, for a while I was actually not that big a fan of his. Um, as I, I mean, there were some dubs from him that I liked, like, uh, Sam Wright, Sam Wright, and Speed Grabber. Uh, but then there were dubs of his I wasn't really that big on, like, Jordan John, because I didn't really, uh, Likely they cast Rococo for some reason. Um, okay, uh, but uh, as time went on and he started putting out more stuff, I started to come around on him, and the dub that really won me over was Me to Go and Hachin. 
Part uh, particularly, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that yeah, they're the reason I got salty at Eddie for not messing that in time too. And because I was very surprised at how he cast Monica Real in that show, and I really liked how her and Jade Saxon played off each other. And that ended up be that has actually landed as one of my favorite duds of all time. So, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so needless to say, I came around on Chris Bevins pretty quickly after that. And pretty much everything he has done since then has been, like, really solid. Nothing I can really complain about. And he went from being a director that I wasn't too big a fan of to being second in my mind of Funimation only to Mike McFarland. And that is, like, and that is not an easy thing to say. Um, so, uh, yeah. Okay, so he's become one of my favorite directors. I wish him nothing but the best of luck in California, whatever he does, be it games or anime. I really hope I get to hear more from him soon. I was going to say, Race, okay, count of three. If Chris Bevins has directed a dub that has either become one of your favorite dubs or one of your favorite animes, say yes. 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 Okay, yes. I know for sure mine is Akka. Is that yours, Roots? Um, that and Michiko and Hachin, yes. I haven't seen Michiko and Hachin, I'm sorry. And Ping Pong. I'm shocked you didn't mention Ping Pong, gonna say. Anyways. We'll be done Quantic School eventually. Yeah, do you know how many motherfucking people want to be on a fucking Michiko and Hachin episode? Holy have to shit! Fight it. That's like a fucking fight club! Okay. Alright, friends. I'm going to take the heed of this and say, I think we've all said our piece. And from. All of us at the Dub Talk Podcast, Christopher Bevins, thank you very much for all your years of hard work. Best of luck out there in California. Hopefully you'll do something else we get to cover in the future. And with that, we will call it a night. Thank you all very much for watching. I think this episode is now technically longer than the entirety of Space Patrol Lulico. Funny how that works. Anyways, that being said... It's like a good, like, 15 minutes it's gonna get fucking chunked out of there. That being said, uh, if you want to keep up tabs with the Dub Talk Podcast, you can follow us on YouTube at Dub Talk Podcast. You can like, comment, and subscribe, and ring the little bell to give us... Make sure we tune in, because we're cool people. You can also follow us on Twitter at Dub Talk Podcast, as well as our Tumblr, our Instagram, and our Twitch channel. Anyways, as for myself, you can find me over on Twitter at Mangaman9000 under the name Classy Spartan. I'm also a moderator over on the Funimation Discord and the Funimation Forms, as well as a co-host for the podcast ONA Sur a Surreal Resolution Podcast. Actually, wait. Surreal Resolutions Podcast ONA Podcast. I'm very tired. Okay, please, please continue. Uh, my name is Megan. You can follow me at QueenEra2 on Twitter. Um, and then you can also hang out with me. I am also a Discord moderator for the Funimation uh, Discord. Okay, um, as for me, you can, of course, find me on Twitter at DivineDado, where I will usually be raving about cartoons or anime and whatnot. Uh, you can also occasionally find me writing things on my blog, Animes of Infinity, or reviews for the Phantom Post. I'll be reviewing My Hero Academia Season 3 next season. So, uh, that'll be fun. And I am Roots of Justice. You can find me on Twitter at Roots of Justice, where I mainly just repost cute animal pics, talk anime every once in a while, and just, in general, be an approachable guy. Um, I also have a blog and YouTube projects that I'm in the process of working on as of recording. 
Uh, hopefully I will have updates on those soon-ish. Alrighty. And with that, I think it's time we call it a night. Woo! And, all right, everybody. Good night. Otaku on. And remember, fight for justice! justice!